Everybody. Good morning, everybody. All right. Love the roots. Love the roots. Seen them in concert more than any other group ever. Good morning, folks. Today is October 6th. It is a Thursday. Welcome to episode number 213 of the Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Ozier, and over the next 45 minutes, you and I are going to be ripping through the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be giving my <laughs> expert, you know, uh, we're all, we're all uh, learning, but I'll be giving my opinions based on my professional experience on what each story means to you as a practitioner, so how can you operationalize it today, or if you're looking to break into the industry, it'll help get you context of all these different moving parts and how they're going on, and you'll absolutely crush an interview. But before we get into it, I do want to give a shout out and some love to the stream's sponsors. First off, Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. Good to see Eric Taylor back in the saddle. Guys, if you if you don't have a plan for dealing with a ransomware incident, just go to barricadecyber.com. The calendar's right there. You can schedule a 30-minute meeting with Eric and just have a conversation and see what's up. Now, don't want to leave the other sponsor out in the rain here. Recon InfoSec, guys. Eric Capuano and the crew over there. Recon InfoSec's Managed Detection and Response MDR offering includes the people, process, and technology needed to deliver full-spectrum security operations, which means the total package, to organizations of any size. That's, that's the whole benefit of outsourcing it, right? You can be a smaller business and still have killer uh, SecOps capabilities. Their MDR service includes fully managed SIM and SOAR, and customers gain full visibility into their own environment as well as incident investigations being worked by the Recon SOC. If you need MDR or SecOps capability, check out Recon InfoSec. There is a link in the description below. You just click it, it'll take you right over there. More about Recon InfoSec later since I'm doing something with them today. I do want to remind you, if you hold professional certifications that require CPEs like a CISP, a CISA, a CISM, GAC, whatever, CompTIA's things, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE, right? So if you don't know this, you have to like maintain your certification. You don't just get it and you're done. Um, so the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE because it's a, a little bit over half an hour long. It stacks though. So two and a half a week, 10 a month. What I would suggest is say what's up in chat. So it's like you're saying you're here. Uh, so you have auditable evidence that you were here. And then once a month, once a quarter, just go into your certification body portal, type in Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, 30 credits, boom, and you can drop a link to simplycyber.io slash streams, which is right there. Can't really see me across the top. And that'll get you squared away, okay? If you're live, love it. How many people we got in here? I know we're doing some funky times. 
oh man, we've got, this is weird. We've only got 24 people. Did I screw this up? Usually we're pumping a lot more people. So it looks like it's going to be more of an intimate affair uh, today, people, which is fine. So if you're live, hashtag team live. If you are uh, watching on replay, which I going to guess many of you are just because the numbers are particularly odd right now. Say hashtag team replay in chat and thanks for catching the stream. Remember everybody, you can catch it at the um, on the audio podcast uh, app of choice. So if you just go into, you know, Google uh, Play Store, whatever, like whatever the Google app is, right? Spotify, Apple Podcasts, just type in Simply Cyber. You'll get it, okay? But if you're watching on replay, you can jump ahead. But if you're with us live, I'm super pumped because I'm going to spend the next couple of minutes having a sip of coffee, talking with all of you, and welcoming you into chat. Give me one second. Is it showing? All right. So, guys, what's up? What's up? Before we get into it, I want to say what's up. Hey, shout out. Look at this. Look at this. Base case. Casey Gaska uh, sent this to me cool little flag i just threw it up you know it's all it's all wrinkled and it's not centered or whatever but i thought it was cool i threw it up oh did i come on early ah oh. yeah i screwed up i screwed up well we're here now guys i'm so sorry <laughs> oh my god okay so check it out here let's do this really quick for a hot minute guys here's the deal I have been all out of sorts. Where do, hold on. Whoa. Jeez, guys. Calm down the roots. All right, guys. Here's the deal. I started early today by accident. I forget my kids' water bottles at soccer practice yesterday. I'm late to things. I'm like everything in my life is perfectly fine right now. It's just we I'm there's been some changes uh like basically <laughs> basically uh my wife has has gone to um to visit some people um and so I'm running running solo right now so I'm all sorts of disheveled um the show should have been at 10 I'm sorry I made a huge uh error um but I'm I'm just all out of sorts right now and in my mind I was like okay 9 a.m drop the kids off at school get home get coffee go 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 so um my sincere apologies. If you're showing up at 10 a.m. and you're like, why is this on replay? I'm I'm sincerely sorry. Um, so now that we've done that, um, it is tomorrow at 9 a.m. cracking me up. It is tomorrow at 9 a.m. I made a mistake. I made a mistake. And you know what the, the worst part is? I like looked at my calendar right before I went live to see what was on my calendar today and I didn't look at the times. Okay, so this is a secret uh, meeting. I mean, I, I guess here's what we can do, y'all. Here's what we can do. There's 38 of us in here right now. I will make a deal with you, okay? We can do the following. Hold on, let me stop this music for a second. We can do the following, guys. We're good. We could roll on this, the news right now, or I could terminate this stream, build a new one for 10 a.m. like it's supposed to be, and then come back in 45 minutes. I have a ton of stuff to do. I could, I could stay busy for another 52 minutes, uh, and it wouldn't be an issue. I'm a, I'm a little bit of a donkey right now. I'm, you know, like, do I have like a donkey sound? Um, yeah. Right here, right? I'm Carl. 
All right, so let's just look at how chat's seeing it. Chat, you guys look like you're okay. It is, uh, what's it, meme Thursday? So Dan Reardon, uh, a.k.a. Haircut Fish, has the memes rolled up. Um, what, what's the vibe, guys? See your thing, so your thing, Jerry, see you at Q? Um, I don't know. Do you guys want to do 10 a.m.? So I see Crooklyn Steve says 10 here. I'm going to create a, um, a YouTube poll right now, and we're just going to do this dirty, okay? Um... How do I? We're just gonna do this dirty. Let me put the music back on. Whoa! All right. Well, I guess we're gonna. Let's. We'll do this. Hold on. You know what? Hold on. Let's do this. There we go. All right. So that's fine. Let's do this. I'm gonna start a poll, y'all, and we're just gonna vote on it, okay? Because, because, I'm sorry. <laughs> all right. Let's do this really quickly. Such a donkey, man. What a donkey move. What a donkey move. How do I create a poll? All right. End stream and come back at 10 or roll now. Back at 10. Roll now. All right, guys. There's 49, 40 of us in here. Please take this poll, right? Please take this poll and we'll make the decision. And again, genuine, genuine apologies. I'm just, I'm, I'm really just out of sorts right now. I mean, I can do my job. Obviously I can talk cyber and stuff like that, but just my, my flow, my, my routines, my, my normal behaviors, processes are all out of sorts right now. Like I even, like I even um, had to cancel my Citadel class this morning and assign them asynchronous homework. I actually have them doing research on APTs that are known for industrial espionage. But but that's what I'm saying. Like, th this is what's up. Okay, let me look. Leonardo's got a meeting at 10. Let's roll. All right, looking at it, looking at it. Roll now. All right, 61%. I'm going to give it 15 more seconds for people to vote. I do see some people... I do see some people saying do 10... The votes are coming in. 63% roll now. Dude, maybe I'll do a, t a 9 and a 10. <laughs> oh, I'm such a donkey. Roll now, roll now. All right, guys, we're at 64%. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to roll now. There we go. Woo. All right, guys, let's roll on this. What an asshat I am. God, so sorry. Okay, so if you're watching on replay, my bad. Sorry about that. All right. So let's uh, let's roll on this since we've been goofing around here. Yeah, okay, let's kind of roll on this now. Sit back, relax, and watch me uh, pull up from this nosedive that I'm currently in. From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. It's Thursday, October 6th, 2022. Common Spirit Health hit with IT security issue. The issue impacted its electronic health record system, forcing the nonprofit healthcare organization to shut off systems at some facilities. Common Spirit operates over 1,000 care sites and 140 hospitals across 21 states. Some sites rescheduled patient appointments, while at least one hospital redirected ambulances as a result. Anecdotally, several patients said doctors struggled to access the MyChart tool. Cybersecurity researcher Kevin Beaumont suggests ransomware may be involved based on IR chatter. Yep. 
There's Kevin Beaumont, Gossy the dog. I'm telling you, this guy is like, he's always up in all of it. He's an absolute must follow on Twitter. Okay, guys. Now, there was some chatter yesterday about um, Epic possibly being ransomware. Epic is a massive electronic health record system. It does way more than just capture patient records. It does scheduling, billing. I worked in healthcare for six years, y'all. Um, it's a complex uh, industry, a complex environment, and not just because of the the clinical staff speaking their language and wanting to do patient care to hell with cybersecurity, the HIPAA regulations, all of the complexity. Okay, guys, like I would actually tell you, um, you know, I'm fine not working in healthcare now, but working in healthcare was an excellent, excellent challenge and opportunity. So if you ever get a chance to work in healthcare, it's definitely, um, if you're into like professional challenges and stuff like this. So a uh, massive uh, healthcare system. They said that uh, people couldn't access my chart. Now, Epic does have the ability to be hosted on-prem or hosted uh, by Epic in the cloud, right? So who knows whether or not it was on-prem or in the cloud. Chances are it was on-prem because Epic would have had a bigger issue. More hospitals would have had an issue. Um, I will say this, that some ransomware incident, uh, ransomware incident, some ransomware gangs actually s explicitly say they will not target healthcare or critical infrastructure um, because they don't, they, they just want to get money from businesses with money. They're, they're not into people dying or whatever. Now, the final thing I'll say about this that might give you a little bit of um, comfort is when hospital systems go down, the staff there are actually trained with down, they're called downtime procedures, and they know how to operate on pen and paper and move around clinical staff. Yeah, things are not operating at 100%, but it's not like if a hospital gets ransomware, like everybody just it shuts down and you no longer have a hospital. Now, I'm, I'm not downplaying it, right? Because maybe you have medical um, conditions, you're on like a bunch of different medicines, you're elderly and you can't you can't convey to the physician treating you what your pills are or what you're on. Normally, they would look at the healthcare record to see that. If they don't have access, then you could get into some murky waters where they prescribe you something that's actually going to conflict with the medicine you're already taking and could be a problem. Or we also saw um, someone get rerouted. Like they just said in the story, like they've had to reroute patients to different facilities. We saw one instance where a patient was rerouted and died uh, in the ambulance on the way to the rerouted hospital. Um, and it was kind of tied to like, oh, the first death caused by ransomware. So there are some implications. Again, healthcare is a wildly complex system. It goes way beyond HIPAA. Like HIPAA is like, like back pocket, right? I mean, it's wicked important, but it's back pocket. There's way, way, way other things going on in there. My SQL server is backdoored. Analysts at the German security firm DCSO SciTech discovered a new piece of malware targeting Microsoft MySQL servers called Maggie. It brute forces admin logins to other SQL servers while serving as a bridgehead into the network environment. Telemetry data shows Maggie running on hundreds of machines, most prevalent in South Korea, India, Vietnam, China, Russia, Thailand, Germany, and the United States. The malware appears as a digitally signed extended stored procedure DLL. It works as a backdoor since it can be controlled by SQL queries. It's unclear how it initially installs on systems or who operates the malware. Wow. Okay. So this is a big deal. Um, first of all, love the name Maggie. I don't know. I feel like it's approachable, right? Like, oh, it's Maggie. Um, definitely, definitely could get a logo. Just saying. Okay. Um, 
okay, so check it out. SQL Server, in case you guys don't know, yeah, it's a database, but like you can do all sorts of operating system level commands through SQL Server. And there's like an uh, SA, like, you know, elevated privilege account. So not only can you access the data in the database, which is huge value typically, but you can execute commands on the operating system that the server is sitting on. Oh, and by the way, you can then do things like dump creds, move laterally. It's just a box on the network, right? What they're saying here is lots of machines are getting backdoored, which means they're being exploited and then um, persistence mechanisms put into them so they can get C2 uh, commands, right? So, hey, do this, do this, report in, send your data, send keystrokes, um, allow me to get in without having to re-exploit the box. Uh, they don't know what's going on. So here's my two hot takes. First, first one is there's clearly some type of Microsoft SQL Server vulnerability that's being exploited. There is some exploit out there that is either being distributed on the dark web j just by the sheer number of, you know, there's hundreds of machines, right? If, if there is one threat actor who's got a really good exploit and they're just iterating over and just kind of a collecting uh, exploited systems, that could be it. Or it could be there's a tool available and people are just firing it off. Uh, they don't know how it it uh, it's being exploited, so they don't know how to stop it. Okay, so that's part of it. And by the way, it could be a vulnerability, or it could be um, well, a vulnerability is kind of a generic term, right? So it could be a misconfiguration, or it could be a security vulnerability that needs to be patched. But but besides that, um, the one thing I would say here is the fact that they're able to find hundreds of systems that have been exploited would tell me that they can tell when it's infected, which would mean that we would be able to have indicators of compromise to be able to look at our systems to know whether or not they have been compromised, right? So analysis revealed that it disguises um, an extended store procedure, SQL Maggie, which is where they got the name Maggie from, no doubt. Um, it's signed by DeepSoft, so it's going to run and look legit. It is in South Korea, so I'm not sure where uh, SQL Server is getting infected. It looks like heavily in India. Little in China, whatever country this is, um, it, South Korea, ta um, Vietnam. Okay, so it, it's mostly Asian countries. It looks like there's a little bit in the United States. And uh, since nobody chimed in from South America yesterday, I guess South America's okay. Antarctica's clearly fine. Um, I want to know what the indicators of compromise are. Oh, wow, look at this nice little rich uh, menu for the uh, threat actors. That's pretty cool. Um... Whatever, go find, go find the um, the indicators of compromise, guys. I'm not gonna dig through here for you, but there's clearly got to be indicators of compromise that you guys can look for in your environment. I, I don't know what they are here. They're not showing up. But if you're running SQL Server in your environment, go check this out and make sure. Again, you have a higher risk profile, like the likelihood variable of the risk calculation is higher. If you're in India, China, um, and I know we have some Indian, uh, res you know, people who are from India listening to the stream right now, probably on replay because I'm an idiot and started an hour early, but you have elevated risk. So you definitely need to be looking at this. If you're in South Korea, you absolutely need to be looking at this. If you're in the United States, uh, you know, put it on your put it on your punch list and get to it before the end of the weekend. Fraud hitting P2P payment apps. A new report from the office of Senator Elizabeth Warren found an increasing prevalence of fraud and scams using the peer-to-peer -peer payment service Zelle. 
the banks Bank of America, Truist, Capital One, J.P. Morgan Chase, PNC Bank, U.S. Bank, and Wells Fargo own the company that operates Zelle. Since the second half of 2021, data from four of these banks show 192,878 cases of fraud, resulting in $213.8 million in losses using payments made with Zelle. Despite bank ownership, the report found only 3,500 cases where the banks reimbursed for losses, and in those cases, only reimbursed an average of 47%. The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is expected to issue regulations to require banks to reimburse customers for a wider array of scams and fraud. Yeah, well, so okay, so a couple things here. I, I do use Zelle myself. And really quick, just to reset the room, I saw Philip Martin. Today's show is supposed to start at 10. Um, your host is an idiot and started early because I'm 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 all disheveled and out of sorts r right now with my schedule and I, I I just made a mistake. Um so Zelle is one of these it's like Venmo or PayPal, right? Except Zelle is kind of either owned by or agreed upon by the banks, right? So your Chase, your Truist, your BB&Ts, your SunTrust, Wells Fargo, like all the banks got together and said like, I don't know if this is the conversation they had, but they're like, hey, Venmo and PayPal is like kind of taken, like it, it's, it's, it, people are using it. We should have our own. That way people, um, you know, keep their money in our banks. And they're like, okay, let's do Zelle. And then like, let's make Zelle wicked accessible to everybody uh, who has bank accounts, like through an app or through, through the banking app itself or through the website. So that's what Zelle is. Now, the interesting thing is when you send money with Zelle person to person or Venmo or anything else, it's basically like a wire transfer. You better be damn sure you know who you're sending it to because there's no like oopsie. There's no cancel transaction. There's no give it back. I sent you like too much money or whatever. It's gone. It's out the door. Now, in the story, they're saying that um, there's rampant fraud going on, which would make sense because, guys, if the money can't be pulled back, all the criminal has to do is convince you to send the money and boom, you're all set, right? And this is straight cash, homie. Oh, hold on. Straight cash, homie. It's straight cash, homie. There's no there's no middleman of goofing around. You don't have to sell an asset or fence it. It's it's straight cash, right? So we could see this happening. Now, it, it does say the banks are reimbursing some people. I don't know why, honestly. They don't reimburse people normally for like debit transactions that get fraudulently taken out. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So it, it is pretty crappy. Just, I guess all I would say is this could be worth, um, see, there's no, there's no like material story here. Like for me, this might be the, the newsletter story for your end users. So you can help them because dude, if you can help your end users and their friends and family by, uh, extension, protect their money, they are absolutely going to listen to you. Now, here's the problem. It doesn't tell you how the frauds are happening. This is just kind of a roll-up about fraud on Zelle over the last, you know, year or so, right? So almost 200,000 cases of fraud, $213 million in 2021. Like, you can't, like, that's not going to resonate with end users. So just be mindful of this for yourself. If people are mentioning Zelle, just tell them that there's fraud going on. Just, you know... You, Confirm before you send money, period. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's basic. Twitter deal isn't done yet. We covered yesterday that Elon Musk re-offered his original price to take Twitter private with a share price already approved by Twitter's board. The deal isn't done yet, with Twitter getting a new concession in the case. 
The Delaware Court of Chancery approved Twitter to proceed with a limited investigation into whether whistleblower Peter Mudge Zadko contacted Elon Musk lawyers prior to his previous attempt to back out of buying Twitter. This involved a May 6th email sent from an anonymous ProtonMail account claiming to be a former exec at Twitter leading teams directly involving trust and security and content moderation and offered Musk information on Twitter through alternate channels. If Musk and Twitter reach an agreement to end litigation, the matter would be moot. <laughs> okay, again, resetting the room because I see some people saying here, this was supposed to go at 10 a.m. Eastern time. I started it at 9 a.m. Eastern time by accident and... The community voted to keep going instead of uh, coming back at 10 a.m. Okay, so it looks like this Twitter thing's back on. I mean, we're this is news. Like, we got the Elon emotes. So drop your Elon emotes, squad members. It looks like he might buy it again. I think it might be one of those ones where he's, like, almost forced to buy it. I will say this. A lot of people use Proton Mail for anonymity and stuff like that. But, like, with all due respect, Mudge is a legend in the industry and I have high respect for him. But like, if you're using an anonymous account, but then you identify yourself as a former, ex former executive at Twitter, uh, sp like you basically removed anonymity because you described one person. <laughs> you know what I mean? From the anonymous email. Um, so I think if they move forward with this, you know, they said that they'll just stop investigating that, that email and whether or not Mudge connected with him first. Um, so whatever, you know, I guess this thing's moving forward. I will say this. I don't know if this is true or not. I didn't investigate it, but there was some talk about like where the money that's backing Elon's coming from. Cause Elon's the richest person in the world, but it's because of his wealth, not because he has $44 billion in his wallet. Right. Which would be incredibly painful to sit on, but you see what I'm saying? It's the value of his assets that makes him the richest person in the world. He doesn't have straight cash homie. It's not like he's going to carve off part of Tesla and give it to Twitter and be like, here, this is about $44 billion worth of value. I own Twitter now. No, it's, he's got, he's got to do straight cash. And there's been some talk about where that cash is coming from. It may be coming from, um, individuals, uh, in the middle East to, uh, you know, it, 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 it's complex. Look into it. Okay. And now thanks to this week's episode sponsor hunters. The Hunter's SOC platform helps your security team identify, understand, triage, and respond to incidents at a much faster pace. ChargePoint, the world's largest network of electric vehicle charging stations, uses Hunter's SOC platform to leverage its out-of-the-box detection content to more effectively respond to new threats and vulnerabilities. Visit hunters.ai to learn more. All right, real Another quick. Whoa, 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 hold it. Hold the phone, Steve Prentice. Good grief. We got to get our don't you forget about me going here as we do the mid-rolls. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Uh, just doing a quick mid-roll here so everybody knows. It is What's Your Meme Thursday. Our man Haircut Fish in the chat coming on strong. It is uh, <laughs> It is a October. Halloween starting to come out. We got Beetlejuice. Simply Cyber, Jerry Beetlejuice, say my name three times, and I'll appear. Appreciate the memes, haircut fish, definitely appreciate it. Now, if you'd like to connect with me, either by saying my name three times or typing in my Twitter account three times, I am uh, getting way more active on Twitter. It's a focused effort for me for the month of October, or October, November, as a trial to see if putting effort into Twitter 
uh, resonates with the community and delivers value. And if it does, I'm going to keep doing it just like doing the Instagram thing did not deliver value to the community. So I stopped doing that. The newsletter I started, that's delivering value. So I'll keep doing that. This is how I iterate over what I do with Simply Cyber. So if you're interested, you can do exclamation point Twitter in chat right now and it'll drop a link or you can just go over to Twitter and do at Gerald Osier and we'll get into that. All right. Real quick, I just want to remind everybody later today at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and this will happen at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, I will be a guest on Recon InfoSec's Thursday Defensive Webcast. It's their very first episode. It's unscripted, unrecorded. It's raw. And I will be, I'm super pumped to be their very first guest. I'll drop a link in chat um, to this, but if you just go to Recon InfoSec, here's a link to the chat. Come hang out. And if you do hang out, <laughs> if you do, uh, please, I want to do this. I think it's funny. Do uh, hashtag Simply Cyber in chat when you get over there. Um, and we can kind of do like a little raid on them. All right. Thank you very much, 80s music. I will not forget about you, but we have to get back to the podcast. Another Australian telco hit with a breach. Australia's largest telco, Telstra, confirmed it suffered a data breach at a third-party organization, exposing employee data dating back to 2017. It estimates 30,000 people were impacted, with names and email addresses leaked. This comes two weeks after another telco in the country, Optus, suffered a major data breach, impacting up to 10 million accounts. There's no evidence that these two breaches are related. Hmm. There's no, there's no uh, evidence to suggest they're related, but it does seem very coincidental doesn't it like one of the biggest telcos in australia gets hit and then two weeks later the, the other big one gets hit 18 million customer accounts three quarters of the entire continent of australia's population that's pretty pretty bad um you know it sucks what, what's the information that they got though like guys, whenever you hear about a breach, it's like, okay, that sucks. But like, let's qualify what actually got breached: hash passwords, clear text passwords, just email addresses, just names, just Twitter handles. Like, you you have to qualify to actually evaluate how bad is is bad, right? Okay, so very basic in nature, of course, <laughs> of course, the 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 victim's gonna say that, right? It's very basic. It's... Names and email addresses. Okay, so. Basically, inputs to a phishing campaign. Um, not a big... So the only reason this is even a big story is because Optus got hit the other day and because of the size of the data breach. But guys, this is not a, a big... I mean, I, I don't want to marginalize it, but this is not a big deal, okay? If you uh, live in Australia, internal stranger, anybody else down there, down under... <laughs> that's probably insulting. I, I don't know if that's insulting to Australian people or not. If it is, I apologize. Um, just be mindful of potential increases in phishing attacks uh, with name and email, right? That's basically it. Also, they might be able to like map the name and email as part of a recon project. Um, it, I would almost think that, honestly, if I got this 18 million user record, I would do one of two things if I was a bad guy. One, I would either do a wholesale phishing campaign and just hope I hit a target. Or two, I would look for celebrities or VIPs or high net worth individuals. And, you know, maybe you get their private email address and then you can 
um, attempt to hack them, right? Like get their password reset or spearfish them or, or whatever. Um, so that's, that's, that's the risks here. Capital One hacker sentence. U.S. District Judge Robert S. Lasnik sentenced former Amazon software engineer Paige Thompson to time served and five years of probation for obtaining personal information on over 100 million people as part of a breach of Capital One in 2019. As a result of the breach, Capital One reached a $190 million settlement with impacted customers and was fined $80 million by the Treasury. Prosecutors sought a seven-year prison sentence. The judge cited Thompson's mental health for the probation sentence. Thompson's financial restitution for the crime will be determined in a December hearing. Yeah. Okay. So this isn't surprising. I will say that that's a pretty lucky break for Paige Thompson. Um, if you guys don't remember, uh, just to recap this story, in 2019, Paige Thompson uh, was, a, I think, a contractor um working at capital one she had access to all the datas all you know the cloud systems like she had legit access she it was her job and she ended up uh like either uh exfilling the data and then making it public or something like that um it, it, she basically did it like an insider threat data breach and did no opsec like was a was a complete yard sale as far as like trying to hide that it was her and basically got caught instantly. Now, got fired immediately, obviously. Now, Capital One ended up having to pay a lot of money. Uh, so they took a pretty big hit. And I know, oh, like, you know, cry me a river for uh, Capital, you know, big faceless conglomerate bank. But they had to pay this money because of this decision that an insider made um, that they really couldn't have controlled, honestly. And part of the problem was, or part of the argument was that she has mental health issues and wasn't making good decisions, was kind of uh, emotional and erratic and all these other things. So got caught, got sentenced, everything like that. Very interesting that the um, the she's basically not going to jail. I mean, that's the TLDR here. She's not going to jail. The judge cited um, mental health as part of the reason. Now, her financial restitution is yet to be determined. So we'll see what happened because... Capital One was fined $80 million. They also paid $190 million in settlements. So it's $270 million. I don't know how many, like, how many bake sales you got to run or how many hours of community service you got to do to pay back $270 million. I I'm being uh, playfully humorous, obviously. She's not going to have to pay $270 million. But my point is, uh, it probably will be significant, and that's going to grossly affect her, as it should, frankly, because she did commit a, a pretty serious crime um, for the rest of her life, basically. I don't think she's going to be able to get out from under this one. CISA warns of targeted attacks on defense. The Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, the FBI, and NSA issued an advisory warning of APTs actively seen on the networks of defense industrial base organizations. These attacks were observed from November 2021 through January using the Impacket Toolkit for initial access and achieving data exfiltration with Covalent Stealer. More troublingly, CISA found it likely multiple APTs gained access, some with long-term access to the environment. Initial scouting and access for these attacks may go as far back as January 2021. CISA recommends organizations monitor logs for connections from unusual VPNs as a sign of access. All right. So, I mean, this is pretty crappy. 
Uh, defense industrial base. It's basically anyone that kind of supports the DOD, but you could be like a manufacturing company that makes ball bearings that's used in a tank, right? Or you, you make like radio antennas that goes on um, radio products that are manufactured somewhere else that ultimately go into the field to support soldiers. <clears throat> so CISA is releasing a um, advisory. If you work in these industries, uh, you should perk up. Uh, the nice thing is that the APT threat actors, the advanced persistent threats, so the the sophisticated uh, bad guys that are able to actually execute on these things are using Impacket open source toolkit, which I'll admit I've never heard of and would be interesting to learn more about. And they're exfilling with Covalent Stealer. So these two uh, tools right here, you you would definitely want to look for indicators of compromise. What does the executables look like? What are the you know data flows? Obviously, you should be looking uh, for beaconing and stuff like that. If you don't know how to look for these things in your environment, you may need, wait for it, <laughs> an MDR, SecOps capability, right? It's, it's realistic that not everybody can do everything. So uh, this is why you, you need, you know, basically to figure out a way to get that help, either hire it or um, lease it out through a professional services. The advisory is right here. I'll just pull it up really quickly so you can si see it. Uh, there's definitely going to be IOCs in here. Um, this is the MITRE attack mapping, which is cool. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And here are the detections. I know you can't see it because it's an eye chart, but guys, the CISA advisories are always pretty comprehensive, okay? Now they, they tell you exactly, hosted by Surfshark, M247. Um, you know, this is basic stuff. Look for suspicious account activity, um, associated IP. So anyways, go to the CISA site. Um, if you work in the defense industrial base and take a look or put it on your calendar as like, okay, I got to spend 30 minutes looking for this thing. Um, you know, and look, you can see covalent dealer pushes files up to Microsoft OneDrive. Guys, you know what? You're not blocking at the firewall, Microsoft OneDrive, <laughs> especially if you're an office 365 shop, right? It's going to look like normal traffic. You got to be, got to be careful with that. Okay. Overwatch 2 hit with DDoS at launch. Overwatch 2 launched on October 4th with many players reporting inordinately long wait times. Blizzard President Mike Yabara confirmed that a distributed denial of service attack hit Overwatch 2 servers, causing connection issues for users trying to play the game. As of October 5th, Overwatch game director Aaron Keller reports that a second DDoS attack was underway, resulting in further server instability. No word on what network might be behind the attacks. All right, so I don't play Overwatch 2. I don't, you know, I obviously it's pretty popular. It's pretty good. Um, they launched and immediately got hit with a uh, denial of service attack. It looks like they're suffering another one, which basically means it's an online, um, it's an online game like any of these other ones, like Fortnite or um, Call of Duty and stuff like that, uh, run by Blizzard. So if they can't, if players can't play, obviously uh, they're not getting hype. They're not doing streams. People are not paying to play the game, right? Or they're just not going to play the game and go find a different game. This isn't good for business for Overwatch 2, who probably spent, you know, tens of millions of dollars developing this game and they want to get their return on their investment. Now, why would someone be doing this, you might ask? Hmm, good question. There's a couple uh, possible explanations. We saw famously in 2014 Lizard Squad, you can Google this if you'd like after the show, Lizard Squad did a denial of service attack on Christmas day on the PlayStation network and the Xbox gaming network. And the entire reason they did it 
was essentially as a advertisement marketing campaign. They went for a very splashy uh, victim that would make news on Christmas day because tons of kids are getting new games and they're not allowed to play it because the networks are down and lizard squad, you know, said, Hey, like, look at, look at it. We're lizard squad. We did this. If you want anything blown off the internet, call us. It was, it was brilliant marketing campaign. Uh, ultimately they end up getting arrested. I'm pretty sure they definitely got taken down, uh, because they had horrible OPSEC. But the point is, this could be another play of that marketing campaign or another potential um, one, which I, I seriously doubt, is um, uh, competitive advantage. So this is Blizzard's game, right? Let's just say Epic Games, who makes Fortnite, is like, ooh, this Overwatch 2 is pretty good. Uh, hey, why don't we hire someone, you know, back channel style to denial of service Overwatch 2 and, and blow it off the internet for a little bit? Bad pub for them. Keep Fortnite going. You know, that's probably unlikely, but thinking through potential scenarios, that's another one that comes to mind. And then finally, the other one is just hacktivism, right? Um, you you basically hate Blizzard because they ruined World of Warcraft for you or, you know, what whatever. You don't like Blizzard, the organization, and you know that Overwatch 2 is their their darling uh, right now. So you use your resources to attack them. It seems like a lot of effort. Uh, if it is hacktivism, but these are some different ideas that could potentially explain what's going on. Time will tell, though. This week on the Defense in Depth podcast, we're talking about how to engage with non. All right, so that is. Hold on, let me bring up some. Let me bring up some music for you guys. That's going to do it for today's stream. Again, we started early because I made a mistake. Mistakes happen, guys. I I will fall heavily on the sword of this mistake i'm sorry <laughs> but but we did we did crowdsource the community that did show up and they said they wanted to stay so we're going to do it okay thank you bsec for the reference guys we got a couple minutes i want to share a couple things with you later today at 1 30 p.m eastern time uh this is in central central standard time okay so at 1 30 p.m eastern time I will be uh, live on a Zoom call with the Recon InfoSec team doing this new unscripted, unrecorded commercial-free discussion uh, called Thursday Defensive Webcast. And actually, you know what I, like, normally when I do these webcasts, y'all, normally when I do these webcasts, I get asked, like, oh, Jerry, can you talk about whatever, whatever, whatever. I actually want to ask them, guys, the Recon InfoSec team, they are deep blue like they are blue 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 sec ops people okay i want to ask them and i hope you can come get their answer like for those people who are matrixed or your it and you're basically like you are sec ops for your company but you're not like a sec ops person like when is sec ops enough if, like if you're matrix right so like when i am responsible like right now i'm responsible for infosec totally right obviously CISO, but I don't have a huge team underneath me, so I have to do all the things. So if one of my end users downloads ransomware and ransomware is their box, right? I'm assuming they downloaded it, right? Maybe it was pushed. Maybe they're already compromised and it's a second stage payload. Maybe they're moving laterally. I don't know. But when an end user gets their box exploited, I typically look at it, assess it, re-image it, move on to the next one, right? I don't have time or the tooling, frankly, 
to be able to do deep forensics work or look at, you know, look, like spend a day looking at the logs of the network and stuff like that. I just, I just put, I slap a Band-Aid on it and I go on to the next fire, right? Dumb, hashtag this is fine, right? So when, like from someone who does blue this level of depth, to them, what is enough? What, like, cause guys, the reality is we don't have time to go deep on everything. I would love to, dude, it would be sick to just tear apart malware all day, every day. But you know what? I've got a, 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 a business to run. Like I've got an information security program to run. I have to educate end users. I've got to evaluate products from vendors. I have to do budgeting. I've got a million things going on. I don't have time to dig deep into what the hell's going on. What I need to do is pretty much align with IT's mission and just get the sales engineer back in the field with a working computer, right? But what's that, what is that balance? How do you decide? How do you decide, man? You know what I mean? So we'll see. That's the question I wanna re, uh, ask. I see BSEC in there feeling it. So hopefully you guys can come to the defensive infosec thing. Oh, is that Alyssa Knight? In? Hey, Alyssa Knight's uh, up in here. Good to see you, Alyssa. So, anyways, I hope you can join. Just a quick reminder, too. I forgot to pump this all week, but today at 4.30, it is Simply Cyber Live Thursdays. So, because it's Cybersecurity Awareness Marketing Month, we are actually having an expert in security awareness. This dude, James McQuiggan, is incredibly passionate. Like he like rivals me for passion for cybersecurity. He's got awesome dad jokes. I spent a lot of time with this guy in Vegas at Black Hat. Really cool guy, really fun guy. He's a Simply Cyber community member. He's coming on and we're talking about obvious mistakes that people are making with security awareness and how you can actually remediate them to be more effective at reducing cyber risk for your organization by educating in an effective manner your end user community and your IT community because they usually have that privesque and uh i mean that privileged uh, access and you know who isn't running around with domain admin because it just works right carl's doing that all right guys i hope you can join me at 1 30 today i hope you can join me at 4 30 today both or one uh either way i would genuinely appreciate it guys that's gonna do it again sincere apologies for going live early please grant me some grace as i'm uh, a little disheveled with my normal routines right now because of some personal, you know, personal matters that I'm, you know, handling. <laughs> Have a great day, everyone. Hashtag Team Replay if you're just catching it now. We'll see you guys at 1.30. Be good.